We're going to minister uh, on the subject of healing tonight. Pastor John had it on his heart to uh, minister along those lines, and he uh, uh, he started something. And and when he traveled, I got in there and joined the party with him. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're going to go ahead and uh, stay in that same vein tonight, in a little different direction. Want, want to talk to you about ways that you can receive healing. The, the Bible talks about multiple ways that you can receive healing. You see my little graphic back here. You can see uh, one person having hands laid on them. You see the laying on of hands. You see that gentleman holding his Bible so you know you can get healing directly through the Word itself. You see that person with the oil bottle. So we're talking about the anointing of oil as well. And that girl right there praying what is called the prayer of faith. And so we're not, we're, we're not covering everything that could possibly be done, but I wanted to go ahead and, uh, shall we say, give an overview tonight of the various ways that you can receive healing from God. And one of the first things I want to do, and, and Brian, are you back there tonight? I'll go ahead and probably call some audibles on you. There, there may be a few things that I might jump over, so if so, I'll let you know. Uh, but, uh, uh, what I want to do is uh, uh, start by taking a look at what the Bible calls the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, or you might call them manifestations of the Spirit. And uh, this is found in 1 Corinthians 12, and I want to take a look at that first as we get started here tonight. And I'm being very intentional in going there first. Because I want you to see something that you might not have noticed tonight. And I believe it's something that can bring some clarity to you. Uh, especially in, in cases where you may have wondered about something. And may, maybe some things that just never quite dawned on you. And we believe that the Lord is going to help something dawn on you tonight. And that you receive uh, wisdom and revelation from the word. Amen. First uh, Corinthians 12. Let's start with verse 4. It says, there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith, or you might say special faith, by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another different kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, um, Brian, just so you know, I'm going to skip over that 1 Corinthians 12, that other one there, and I just want to focus here for a minute, and I want you to notice something. First of all, at the very end, at verse 11, it says that the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I want you to realize something about the gifts of the Spirit, that they are God-initiated. That this is something that God initiates. And that He distributes these manifestations as He wills. So in this case, uh, uh, if He wills to manifest in this particular way, that is absolutely up to Him. If he wills not to manifest in a certain way, like we read here, that's up to him. However, I want you to realize this, and I think part of confusion, especially when it comes to healing, is people have thought that all healing was God-initiated. And if God didn't initiate it, then you had no chance of getting it. But we're going to look in Scripture tonight and see that there was instances of Jesus initiating healing or miracle. And then there were lots and lots of times 
where you had people come to Jesus and they were the one who initiated things. Now, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, they are absolutely for real. They are absolutely for today. And the same Spirit of God that was manifesting them back at the time this was written is the same Spirit of God that's manifesting them today. But the the reason why we're talking about ways, plural, ways to receive healing is that a lot of times people may have gotten stuck because if God did not initiate something with them, they may have been of the mindset that, well, if if God don't just go ahead and get something going with me, I guess I don't have a chance of getting it. But but here's the thing. This is actually a beautiful reflection of how wonderful and loving God is. That there's sometimes where God will just go ahead and get the party started all on his own. <laughs> Hallelujah. And where, where he'll go ahead and, and and reach out to somebody who wasn't necessarily even reaching out to him. Don't you see the love of the Father's heart in that? Aren't you glad? I mean, here's the thing. You, you know, there's a little verse in 1 John that says, we love him because he first loved us. So thank God for his initiation because if he didn't initiate something with us, we wouldn't have been smart enough to know that, uh, uh, that, that, that he was the one that we needed. We wouldn't have been smart enough on our own to, to, to know that, that, that he was the, the way, truth, and the life, and that we had no other direction or way to go but to him. So thank God for his ability to initiate. Now we'll take a look at a few examples of God initiating. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 7. Uh, we'll start reading with verse 11. It says, Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. Verse 12, And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he, Jesus, presented him to his mother. Now you see here, this was one of those cases that was God initiated. Because this woman may not have even known who Jesus was. Or might have been just too overcome with grief at the moment to even notice anybody who was around her. But when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and he approached her. Hallelujah. You know, you can see this in several instances. In uh, Luke chapter 13, there was the case of the, the woman that was bowed over, the Bible said, and she could in no way lift herself up. Well, Jesus, when he saw her, called her to him. Once again, a case of Jesus initiating something. You got John chapter 5 where there was the, uh, uh, the, the, the man who was paralyzed. And uh, was uh, uh, there by the pool. And it was Jesus who noticed him. And Jesus who started conversing with him. And Jesus, by the Spirit, already knew how long this man was in this condition. And actually asked him what we would consider a strange question. Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? And, you know, I mean, we would think, well, of course you want to be made well. But, you know, there's a reason why Jesus would ask a question like that. And the man really didn't even answer Jesus. Because, you know, he said, well, uh, because there was the the idea that uh, 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 an angel would come down at a certain time and stir up the waters and the first one to get in could get a miracle. And this guy's story was, everybody always gets in before I do. But Jesus went and singled this man out. Not not based on his faith. Because obviously, 
when, when he said, do you want to be made well? He didn't say, oh, yes, Lord, I believe I receive it. Come on, bring it on. No, as a matter of fact, he started complaining why he was always in the back of the line and never could get what was his. So it wasn't his faith, but it was the wonderful compassion and mercy of God that was being demonstrated. It was God initiating things through the gifts of the Spirit. We also see Jesus taking initiative with a a blind man over in John chapter 9. Uh, what we also in Acts chapter 3 of the, the very common story of the, the man who was lame and then, woo, he was jumping and leaping and praising God. And how did this all happen? This happened because he was looking for some change from the guys coming into the temple. And Peter said, I left my change at home today, but what I have, I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. So you see some beautiful examples in Scripture of God initiating healing and miracles in people's lives. Now, let's check this out. Um, As the gifts of the Spirit are a God-initiated thing, what about man's initiation here? You want to check this out? Let's do it. So let's look at, first of all, people who brought other sick people to Jesus. And there's a whole lot of instances of that in the scripture. Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, then his fame went throughout all Syria. And that's a good way to pray when you're praying for the nations of the world. Pray that his fame would go throughout all Syria once again. Amen. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. So you see what we saw previously is we saw uh, Jesus initiating things and Jesus approaching people. But now you got people that are coming and approaching Jesus, bringing their sick cousin and their sick friend and and, uh, sick family members uh, and, and approaching Jesus. Matthew 8 verse 16, when evening had come, they brought to him. Who's they? Well, <laughs> they were the friends of the, the ones that were brought to him. They brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Uh, chapter 15 of Matthew and verse 30. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, And he healed them. So here we're seeing a different approach. We're not seeing Jesus being the one who would approach the sick or approach the one in need of a miracle. Now what you're seeing is the ones in need of the miracle and those who are bringing them taking the initiative to bring these people to Jesus. And uh, this is uh, Mark, let's see, Mark chapter 1. Let's take a look at this. Mark 1, 32. At evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. We can stop right there. But, but you know, the, the great thing you see in the very beginning, it says, they brought to him all who were sick. So you see, this is man-initiated here. And man's initiation worked. It's not just God's initiation towards man that works. It's man's initiation towards God that works. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad about that. I'm so glad that Jesus made the statement that he who comes to me, I will no wise cast out. That Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That you don't have to wait for me to come to you. You don't have to wait for me to show up on your doorstep. No, you can come to me. God all throughout the scriptures encouraged mankind to take the initiative. He said, search for me with all your heart. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God has always been cheering men on to be the ones who would take the initiative and would go after God. Hallelujah. And pursue him. Pursue first of all his, his face because we must seek his face. But then the blessing of seeking his face as he's got something in his hand too. That he wants to freely give to you, his child. Amen. Now, did we read Mark 6 yet? Oh, you got to check this one out. When they had crossed over, this is starting with verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized them ran throughout that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched him were made well. Hallelujah. So I got to tell you, it's a beautiful thing to behold the initiation that was uh, uh, taken to people that could not even get to Jesus on their own. People that did not have the strength and the wherewithal to go ahead and get to Jesus where, where Jesus was. But thank God there were good friends, good cousins, good peeps in their life that could get them to where Jesus was. Hallelujah. And you see people, uh, you know, who were able to get around, who just came and went to Jesus on their own. Matthew twelve fifteen, it says, But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Also in Matthew chapter 19, verse 2, And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Matthew 21, 14, The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And then Mark 1, the, that beautiful story of the leper, verse 40 of Mark 1, now a leper came to him imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So do you see this? For, for, for every one of those where you could see God initiating something with, with a, uh, the, the gifts of healings or the working of miracles in someone's life. You see even more and to a greater degree people that were coming to him and people that were initiating uh, their healing with him. Amen. Now. Let's go ahead and uh, I want to lay that groundwork first because I think it is very important for us to realize that there are times when God will do something special. There are times when the, the, the Lord will see fit to use the gifts of the Spirit and just manifest. Not ask anybody's permission on what he can do or not do, just show up and manifest. But that's not the usual routine of how God works all the time. That happens as he wills, but that's not the, the same way in every case. So I want you to know that you don't need the gifts of healings or the working of miracles to be in manifestation in order for you to get something you need from God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> hey, that means you don't have to wait for something spectacular to happen for you to get what you need from God. You can actually go to him and get it because it's already there for you and it's paid for. And it was paid by the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shedding of his blood, the wounds laid on his back. Hallelujah. It's paid for, it's purchased, and you can come and get it. Hallelujah. Now let's talk about the word. First of all, uh, when, when we talk about the word of God, and, and, and uh, th this is just a beautiful thing. And, and, and here's the thing. One thing that I've noticed, just having lived life and 
served God and been around people for a while, is that people usually like to have somebody else around there uh, uh, praying for them or, uh, you know, uh, to try, trying to help them along to, to receive their healing. But I believe that one of the best ways that you can actually receive from God is just you and God and the Word just getting together. God himself showing you what's in the Word, revealing the Word to you. You seeing it, getting a hold of it, and saying, Ooh, that's mine. That's mine. My daddy provided that for me, and ain't no reason for me to go without it. Hallelujah. The, you know, I, you know, I, here's the thing. We, we, I've always pictured, you know, the, uh, other means and, you know, thoroughly scriptural, the laying on of hands, thoroughly scriptural that they went and touched Jesus' garment and, uh, you, you know, that, that, that idea of a point of contact as the term is used very often. The anointing of oil is also a, a, a point of contact. But, but imagine that just you, God, and the Holy Bible, and you find out in there what is absolutely yours in Christ was already bought, paid for, and provided. And you see that in the Word. You know, you can go ahead and get your healing in just that simple of a way. By hearing His Word spoken, but also by having His Word in your mouth and making sure that your mouth is not contradicting what's in His mouth. Hey, it's something so important for us as believers to guard our mouth to make sure that we're not contradicting Him, saying things that are in opposition to what the Word says. I mean, that, that is called shooting yourself in the foot. Let me tell you. <laughs> and uh, God doesn't want you doing that. You, the, you know, you, you can only win if you're in agreement with God. So if you're, on, if, you're, if you're on the opposite side of the issue with God, I don't mind telling you. I don't mind telling myself. We wrong if we're on the wrong side of the issue with God. If he's on one side of it and we're on the other side of it, he's right. We're wrong. So get in agreement with God, somebody. Hallelujah. Let's talk about the Word here. Uh, let, let's talk about the, uh, the, 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 the power of the Word to heal. Psalm 107 verse 20 says this. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Hallelujah. Sent His Word and healed them. You see that? Wow, there's power in the Word. Pastor Mike, would you do me a favor? Can you hook me up with some H2O, my brother? Thank you, man. I forgot to get my own. <laughs> Let's go also to Proverbs 4 here. Proverbs 4 and verse 20. Talking about the power of the word to heal. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Verse 21. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh, and that word health in the Hebrew language could also very easily be translated medicine. Hallelujah. La medicina de Dios, my Spanish lesson for the night, God's medicine. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So the word is medicine to all your flesh. Interesting thing that the, the one... Uh, there, there's two people in the Gospels, if I'm counting correctly, uh, that Jesus complimented for having great faith. And one of them was a woman who was a woman of uh, Can Canaan, a Canaanite woman. One Gospel calls her Syrophoenician. But then there was also this Roman centurion. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate that. And uh, this, uh, uh, this centurion, a man that Jesus complimented his faith for being great faith. I mean, he marveled. He said, wow, look at this. And, and it was this man here. You're going to see why Jesus marveled. Two things. First of all, he had an understanding of authority. But because of, he had a, uh, because of his understanding of authority, he also had the understanding of the power 
of the word when spoken by the commander. And we're going to see that here. This is Matthew 8, verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Hallelujah. Can you take a look at that? Only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Because this man understood the chain of authority. And we could go on and read more of that. We'll stop right here for now. But I'll tell you, this man, because of his understanding of authority, knows that when the commander speaks the word, that's the end of it. I mean, either the, the, the command is going to be carried out, or somebody's going to go ahead and end up in jail, or worse, for disobeying their superior. And this man understood that Jesus was in a position of superiority and authority over sickness and disease and any other demonic force. That when Jesus would say something, that anything that that was under him, under his authority, and of course, what isn't under his authority would have to obey him and get in line just right away. And this man's great faith was later uh, complimented by Jesus. But the reason why this man had such great faith is that he recognized the authority that Jesus had. And therefore, because he recognized Jesus' authority, he recognized what the, the significance of one word that Jesus would speak. But only speak a word and my servant shall be healed. Hallelujah. Are you excited about the power of the word to heal your body tonight? Hallelujah. Let's check out another thing. This is Acts chapter 14. This took place in a city called Lystra. Verse 7, it says, and they were preaching the gospel there. So what were they preaching? They were preaching the gospel, preaching the word. Verse 8, and in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now I want you to follow this. Verse 7, once again, they were preaching the gospel there. Now, verse 8 describes the man who was there. He didn't have any strength in his feet. He was sitting there, a cripple from his mother's womb. He had never walked, all right? Now, verse 9. This man heard Paul speaking. What was Paul speaking? There they preached the gospel. They preached the word there. This man heard the gospel. He heard the word of God. Now, something happens. Oh, yeah. Come on. Let's just break it down. Something happens when you hear the word. The Bible says, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you hear the word of God, faith comes to you. This man heard the word of God. Faith came to him. Paul saw that he had faith to be healed. So what did he do? He said, I'm going to go ahead and tell this man to do something. Say, well, you got faith for this? Do something with your faith. And what did the verse 10 say? Paul said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And this man leaped and walked. But how did this process get started? It got started with the word. The man heard the gospel. He heard the word of God. Faith came by what he heard. 
Paul made a demand on the man's faith, said, well, you believe it, do something about it. And the man did. And the, the seed of the word that he heard just a little bit below, before that is now manifest in the fact that he's doing something now that he hasn't done in his whole life. Hallelujah. Man, I'll tell you what, they're going to fire somebody up besides me tonight. Hey, now, oh, glory to God. All right. Now, I want to go and uh, look at a little different twist on the word, because it's not just the word in God's mouth, but it's what you were saying with your own mouth that's very directly connected to your health. You, you know that uh, your mouth, you, you know your mouth can get you in trouble. I won't ask, I won't look, oh Lord. But if we had a show of hands, every hand would be up. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. But, but, but you know what? Our mouths have gotten us in enough trouble. We, we don't want any more trouble here. Uh, Proverbs 6, 2 says that we're snared by the words of our mouth. That we're taken by the words of our mouth. Well, I don't want to be snared or taken. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'd prefer what Proverbs 12 says. Proverbs 12, verse 18 says, There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Hallelujah. All my wise people in the house say, yeah. <laughs> Amen. All the wise people are speaking and promoting health. Rather than getting yourself in trouble or getting yourself off track, uh, getting yourself out of health, you're promoting health both in yourself and in the lives of those around you. Amen. Proverbs 13, 3, check this out. It says, he who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips and lets whatever comes out whenever he feels like it shall have destruction. I'll tell you, don't you think for a minute your words aren't important because these are scriptures that are really dealing directly with the power of your words in relation to health. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. Proverbs 15 verse 4. It says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. How many of you prefer the tree of life? Amen. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Praise God. Let's go a little bit further with this. Proverbs 18, 20 and 21. The man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, it's interesting. If you're going to go ahead and speak death, what, what the Bible is really insinuating is that if you're going to go ahead and talk death all the time, you must love it. Imagine someone being accused of love and death. You know, that's not so far-fetched. You hang out in certain neighborhoods around October 31st, and you see every ugly, nasty-looking thing. And I mean, who, who wants to celebrate a skeleton? Just an old pile of bones. What's up with a celebration of death? I like life. Put some meat on those bones, somebody. <laughs> But, but, but you see, the idea of a, cel a celebration of death and love and death, that is not far-fetched. You know, you don't have to think very far to think that there's some people out there that really do love death. But I don't want to love death and eat that fruit. I want to love life. I want to speak life. And I want to eat life fruit. Glory to God. Amen. Are you with me on that? Proverbs 21, verse 23, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. And there's all kind of good stuff in the book of Proverbs. How about something Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Somebody get this tonight. 
For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. You might look at that and say, yeah, right. Well, you could say, yeah, right, if you thought it was Joe Blow who said it. But it wasn't Joe Blow who said it. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who said it. That you can speak to a mountain in your life. And in our context tonight, that you can speak to a mountain of sickness or disease in your life. And tell it to be moved out the way and cast into the sea. And that if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that those things you say will be done, that you will have whatever you say. I'm telling you, that's amazing. Glory to God. And a lot of times, and what Jesus was trying to help us with there, is that we're in the habit of speaking what we've got. And if you speak what you've got, and Jesus said you have what you say, and then you talk what you've got and speak what you've got, you end up with what you already have. Jesus is saying that if you want to have something different, you got to talk something different. Oh, help me somebody tonight. Ah, feel my juices flowing. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, uh, James did some good teaching about the power of the tongue. James chapter 3, verse uh, uh, 1. Let's start there. I don't know if I put 11. I, I, I meant to put verse 1. So we'll start at the beginning of the chapter. And I know that can take a minute, but it's all right. It's worth the wait. James chapter 3 and verse 1. And we'll go one through four. I think one through four will be good enough. Praise the Lord. James was actually given some real good instruction regarding uh, what we can do with our tongue and, and the power of the tongue and how dangerous that that tongue can be. It's like something that if you let it out of control, it'll hurt other people. It'll hurt you. It'll get yourself in a whole lot of trouble. And what I'll do, I'll go ahead and start reading it, and uh, then I, I know we'll be able to catch up. Here we go. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Verse 3, indeed we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body... Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Now, if you kept on reading, even so the tongue. So this is talking about the tongue. It's talking about your ability to speak. Go back to verse 4, please. So, the ship is turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. I want you to know you walked in here tonight with a steering wheel in your mouth. Amen. You came in tonight and your tongue, your ability to form words, speak words, and, and, and let that sound go forth into the atmosphere, that, that your, your tongue is actually a steering wheel that you can go one direction and you can turn another direction. Just like the rudder of the ship, you know, it can be going north and, uh, oh, iceberg ahead. We better re recalculate the route here. <laughs> turn the other way. But, but you with your tongue have the power to redirect the direction that you're going. And I'll tell you, if you've been speaking one way, 
and getting one kind of fruit for the words that you've been speaking, you can change the way you're speaking, glory to God. And you, by, by just speaking God's word, agreeing with God, getting yourself on the same wavelength that God's on, you can go ahead and steer your ship and the direction that it needs to be go on. Uh, because you know what? I, I, can, can I just talk to you tonight? You can sing Jesus take the wheel all you want. But Jesus put the wheel in your mouth. And you're the one in control of that wheel. You can say Jesus make me obey you. Jesus don't make you obey him. Obedience happens out of the heart, out of a desire to please him, out of a love for him. Jesus is not going to make you. Hey, so glory to God. What, what a blessing that we have and what a responsibility that we have to be able to go ahead and grab a hold of that steering wheel. Figuratively speaking, don't be grabbing your tongue tonight. But, but figuratively speaking, you're grabbing a hold of that steering wheel and say, you know what? I'm going to only steer this in the direction that I know God wants me to go. What's God's will regarding my body? I know he wants me to have good health. I'm only going to go ahead and steer this in the direction that's going to go ahead and point me that way. So I'm going to speak the words of life. I'm going to speak the words of health. I'm going to speak everything in the word of God that has to do with the, the, the health and the healing of my body. Why? Because that's the direction that I know God wants me to go. Why does God want you to have good health? I'll tell you why. Because you got work to do and you ain't here for nothing. Glory to God. You got a destiny and a purpose from God Almighty to fulfill. No matter what your mama, daddy, or anybody else said to you, you don't believe a word of it. You hear me tonight. God Almighty says about you that he's the manufacturer. He made you on purpose. He made the, the instructor's manual for you. <laughs> he knows exactly why you were made and for what you were made. Glory to God. And so thank God you can go ahead and live a life of strength and health because there's a, there's a reason for you to have long life and strength and health. It's not just for, the, uh, for you to blow out a hundred candles on your cake when you turn a hundred. No, it's about more than that. It's about you being able to impact uh, your family and other families and, and do great things for God on planet earth. You say, well, will I, will I ever be as famous as this guy or this guy? No, no, you, you don't have to do anybody else's assignment. You just got to do your own. Hallelujah. You know, when, when, uh, <laughs> think about this, when, when, uh, uh, one of the disciples said to Jesus, uh, uh, said, what about this guy? What do you want him to do? And Jesus said, if I want him to hang out till I come back again, that ain't none of your business. You just follow me. Hey, hey, hallelujah. Thank God for the word of God. Amen. You know, uh, think about this. This is Psalm 35 verse 27. Psalm 35, 27. And uh, it says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Uh, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So it says, let them say continually. I like that. Those are very specific instructions. This is something that I need to say continually, say on a regular basis. Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. The word prosperity is the Hebrew word shalom. So this is let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the shalom of his servant. And wrapped up in shalom is uh, it's a, it's a word with multi concepts in it. You know, like we in English, we can uh, take a word and we say, well, there's this word for this and this word for this and this word for this and this word for this. But, but in the Hebrew language, you can have a whole lot of concepts captured right there in one word. You, you've got the idea of peace in there. Shalom is very often translated as peace. But otherwise in scripture, you see it translated as prosperity. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, in the book of Genesis, you see uh, 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 Joseph asking his brothers, is your father in good health? And good health is the word shalom. So you see, it's amazing how the, the scripture, uh, uh, the, the language of scripture, the Hebrew language, uh, uh, has, has these words that just include so much in there. And so when you say that the Lord has pleasure in the shalom of his servant, that means that the Lord has pleasure in the peace of his servant. It means that the Lord does have pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, but it also means that the Lord has pleasure in the health and the welfare of his servant. Hallelujah. And what does it say? It says you should say that continually. Oh, somebody's getting it tonight. I feel you getting it. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, Let's check this out before we uh, change our uh, thought. And we'll hit one more thing before we go. This is Mark 5. This is the the woman with the the flow of blood or uh, using the King James language is the woman with the issue of blood. Verse 25, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had, was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, oh Lord, she said something. What'd she say? If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. This woman said something before she ever got out in the street, before she ever plowed through the crowd to get to Jesus, she said something. She said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Let me ask you, what are you saying tonight? Because your words, I tell you, they make a difference. Glory to God. Your words can either land you in places you want to be or land you in places you don't want to be. Hallelujah. But I, I tell you what, since God's given you a steering wheel, you, you got to make sure that you uh, look, look at it like this. You got to make sure that you get your driver's license. Go to driving school. <laughs> God will take you to driving school. Teach you how to steer. Teach you how to not run into the curbs. Uh, you, you know, uh, just keep you straight on the road. Keep you between the lines. Come on now. God wants to teach you how to drive. You got a steering wheel. God wants you to know how to use it so that you're using it to bless yourself and bless others rather than hurt yourself and hurt others. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. All right. One more thing for tonight, because uh, we, we, I, I don't want to keep you all too late, and there's more that we can get into, but uh, I, I want to cover this. This is the prayer of faith. You know that God can initiate things. We just saw that, the, the gifts of the Spirit, that that's really a, a, a beautiful picture of God taking the first step to initiate something with you. But you, like we saw, can very, very easily initiate something with God. One of the number one ways to do that is get a hold of the Word, find something in the Word, say, Lord, you said that, you said that's for me, then I want to come and get what's mine. Hey, hey. all right. And the, the prayer of faith, the, the, this is just such a beautiful thing because this is not hit or miss. This is not maybe, could be. This is not, Lord, if it's your will. Let it be, and if it's not, don't let it be. There's a right time to pray that, but not here. Because you see, when you don't know the will of God, you can go ahead and pray in that fashion. When you don't know the will of God, uh, or, you, you know, it could go one way or the other. You say, Lord, uh, if it's your will, then let this happen. But, but if not, I just want your will to be done. And you're submitting yourself and concentrating yourself to the, to the will of God, and that's a good thing. What's the difference? The difference is this, that when you clearly know what the will of God is, you don't have to say if it be your will. If, if it's clearly right there in black and white in your Bible that God wants you to have something, then you don't need to pray that way. 
when it comes to something that is very clearly the saying that God wants you to have. It. The prayer of faith, Mark 11, verse 24. We already read 23, but this is 24 of Mark 11. And it says, therefore I say unto you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That's Mark 11 and verse 24. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now let's check this out. James chapter 1, 5 through 8. James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. So this is talking about how you ask. This is talking about your approach in prayer, your approach in making a request. That if you're going to do it, and you want it to work, this is how you do it. You ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. A double, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So I, I want you to get this tonight. This is a very important thing to get. That, that when we're asking, the Bible says, ask in faith. And, and just for the sake of our little example tonight, uh, let, let's say this step right here is going to be faith. All right? I know there might be some of you in the middle that can't see this, but, but this second, uh, the, the, the last step before you get up here on the top stage is going to be faith. So my goal, if I'm going to go ahead and ask in faith, then I need to make sure that I get in faith first before I ask. And what we do a lot of times is we have a need, and so we're quick to pray, and we've done nothing to go ahead and build up our muscles, we've done nothing to feed our faith and put the word into us. And I understand that you know, there's a lot of cases where you've got an emergency situation, but in most cases, it's not, it's not that critical. You can take some time to build yourself up, Get scriptures in you about the thing that you're asking for so that you can get in faith. And then when you're in faith, you ask in faith. But if I'm asking out here and I'm not in faith, then I might be asking all right, but I'm not asking in faith. You see that? So it's important to get in faith first. And the way you get in faith is you get in the word because the word is the source of faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. Uh, 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 Kenneth E. Hagin, a, a great man of God, would say it like this, that, that faith begins where the will of God is known. So the very start of faith is you find out what God wants. You find out what God's will is. And when you know God wants you to have it, that gives you a boost of confidence to pray for it. Because you know God wants you to have it. Hallelujah. Which leads me to one of my favorite verses on prayer. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Now, now one, one thing that is a very common misconception in, in the minds of many believers is, well, I'm just going to go ahead and ask God for something. And then if he wants me to have it, then I'll have it. And if he doesn't want me to have it, then I just won't have it. How many of you have ever heard that before? It's all right. Don't be shy. Now, here's the problem with that. When you can go ahead into the Holy Word of God, the Holy Bible, 
whether you got a book or you got you version. But you get into the word and you find out that God wants you to have something. Then you're not basing whether God wants you to have something by the result of the prayer. No, you're finding out whether God wants you to have something before you ask for the thing to begin with. So when I'm asking according to his will, that's because I took the time to find out what he wants. His will is what he wants. <laughs> hey, so I'm going to find out what he wants so that when I'm praying, I can pray in line with what I know he wants me to have. And then when I do that, I'm doing that with confidence. And that's what John said. This is the confidence that we have in him. Hallelujah. So, so take that approach in prayer whether you're praying the prayer of faith for healing or, or praying for anything else. Always remember that. That, that uh, you know, and there's times where, where uh, you know, there's times where you can say, well, Lord, let Joe give me his truck. There's a problem with that. Because Joe may not want to give you his truck. So, so and, and God's not going to go ahead and violate Joe's will to do something for you. There's enough trucks out there where God can get you your own. You don't have to have Joe's truck. You see that? So, so the, there's things that we might pray sometimes foolishly, not, not thinking how that's going to affect some other person. You know, so, so if you're not sure how it's going to affect another person, you see, when you're praying for something that directly impacts you and affects you, you you've got freedom and latitude there. But you see, when somebody else's will is involved in something, you know, the, there's a limitation there. You know, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, you, you know, you, you may have somebody that has no interest in getting saved. How does Jesus say to pray for that? He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers. <laughs> you know, Lord, send some secret agents that'll go ahead and just, j just give them a curveball of the gospel. I mean, you say they, they, they've not been taking those fastballs, you know. You, you just say, you need to believe in God and obey the Bible. Get saved quick or you're going to hell. You, you're giving them the fastball. But you got somebody who comes over and gives them the same gospel but puts a little curve on it, you know. God got secret agents everywhere. He's got the right person for everybody who can go and speak the gospel in just the way that they can hear it. They may not hear it from you, but God's got peeps out there. God's got his people out there who can go ahead and get the word to somebody in just the way that they can receive it. But, but uh, that's, that's just a little side journey. That's not my main point. But, but the thing is, is that uh, 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 you, you can't pray uh, violating somebody else's will. I mean, you know, there's been lots of cases where Uncle John wanted to go to heaven. Everybody's praying, Lord, heal Uncle John. We need Uncle John here. And Uncle John's saying, hey, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. Let me get on out of here and see Jesus. And then I say, everybody said, oh, I just don't understand why Uncle John died. Well, Uncle John wanted to go home. And you trying to keep him here. <laughs> you see that? You see how that can possibly happen? But anyway, that, that's a little side thought, but it's important. One more verse before we hit the road tonight. James chapter 5, hallelujah. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Look what the prayer of faith can do. The prayer of faith can save the sick. Hallelujah. And these verses that we've been talking about here are all talking about the prayer of faith. Mark eleven twenty four. that's the prayer of faith. James 1, ask in faith. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, 
that's asking God for something with confidence because you already found out what he willed, found out what he wanted, and you're asking right in line with what you already know he wants. And therefore, when you ask like that, you know he hears you and you know you've got it. This is not roll the dice and hope we get snake eyes or something like that. No, no, no. This is not a roll of the dice here. This is something that God intended to be a confident thing, a sure thing, to know that when you do things according to his prescribed way, it will work. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you so much. Your word is so wonderful. We are thrilled, thrilled, thrilled by your word. And so, Lord, we thank you so much that, that this seed that's been planted tonight in our hearts, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to get watered, and it's going to grow, and it's going to produce marvelous, marvelous fruit in the lives of all of us here and those that are live streaming as well, in Jesus' name. Let me ask you this. Those of you that are here, those of you that are live streaming as well, you know, uh, 